Okay, go ahead whenever you're ready. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us as we continue on in the series we're doing called Naturally Supernatural. This series is based uh, uh, really uh, on the life of Jesus, sort of as our model for life and ministry. And we're looking at him and, uh, and, and the way that he interacted with people. We're looking at encounters primarily in the book of John that he had and... Um, what that looks like, and we're, we're trying to answer some questions along the way, uh, you know, in, in order to do what he did, which he tells us we're going to do in Scripture, and which we talked about, that, that in order to do that, we need to begin to see like he saw, we need to uh, think like he thought, and we need to love like he loved and serve like he served. These are the aspects of being naturally supernatural and what that's all about. And so uh, we've already looked at an encounter with Nicodemus and what that was all about. We looked at an encounter with a woman at the well and, and uh, how that happened. And to both, in both cases, Jesus was extending grace to them. People from completely different places uh, in the way they approached God. And Jesus extends them grace in a way that they can understand. Uh, last week, we talked about an encounter he had with a, an invalid that had been uh, by this pool in Bethesda for 38 years. And how he saw him and he healed him and what that encounter looked like. And, uh, and so we talked about that. Our scripture reading today actually comes right after that, because uh, that was in John 5. And I told you he was, he was taking some heat for um, praying for and healing this guy because it was on the Sabbath. And we discussed that last week. But let's go into the scripture reading today and then we'll go from there. The scripture reading today is in John chapter 5. This is verse 19 and 20 in the message paraphrase. And it says this, So Jesus explained himself at length. I'm telling you this straight. The son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The Father loves the Son and includes Him in everything He is doing. But you haven't seen the half of it yet. I liked that verse in the paraphrase because of what it said there at the end. You haven't seen the half of it yet. And, and He's talking to them about this healing of the pool. And He's right. He's, he's about to uh, really engage in His ministry now. And things miraculous things are going to be happening. And he's saying, look, it's not about, uh, you know, the, the Sabbath. It's, it's not about all your rules and regulations. It's about doing what the Father does and that the Father loves people and wants them back in relationship with him. And that um, the mission he's given us, and we talked about this, our mission here is one more, one more lost child back to death. That, that our mission is, is that it expresses the heart and the love of God for people and that that's what he's called us to. And he's demonstrating what that looks like. In, uh, in these things along the way. I didn't give you the bad joke for the day yet, did I? Do you want me to? Okay, but remember when I do it that you asked. Kind of. There's this new missionary in Africa, and he's uh, walking along, and he's with a local guide, and he says to the guy, listen, is it true that if you're walking with a torch that a jungle enemy won't, won't attack you, a jungle animal won't attack you, and the guide sort of looks at him thoughtfully and it says, well, it really depends on how fast you're carrying the torch. I told you it wasn't good. You wanted to hear it. So, today what I want to talk about is an encounter. Um, 
And this isn't really, it's with a group of people this time instead of one. We've been talking about how God goes after the one more, and we saw it in those encounters. Here, there's a bigger dynamic because today we're going to talk about, in John 6, the feeding of the 5,000. And um, there's a subplot that goes on with his disciples that's pretty interesting. And I think as we do, um, we, can, we can get a good look into seeing like he saw, thinking like he thought, serving like he served, and loving like he loved. So I want to I talk about that in our short time together. Uh, today. So let's dig in, see what we can find out. First point there in your bulletins along the way is this, um, that to be naturally supernatural, we need to have a heart of compassion. That part of being naturally supernatural is to be compassionate, to be a compassionate people. That um, we really don't impact the world without compassion. And we get so stuck in the way that we're going to do things and in our ideas. And then this is it. And um, we, we often lack compassion. And the world, uh, to be impacted for God now, needs to see a church that's compassionate. They need to see way less of the finger pointing and we got it all figured out. And way more of, you know, God loves you so much that he wants to be in relationship with you. Over, over the last year or two, we've talked about how um, that the, the church really has lost her voice. And by that I mean the, the culture, um, the, the church for some reason seemed to take it on itself to become this uh, uh, finger-pointing, critical, judgmental institution rather than a loving one, which is just what happened a couple thousand years ago. And the response of the culture this time was they just silenced us by it's being called being secularized. We, they secularized us. They just pushed us out. And they've, uh, in this country anyway, they've given us Sundays and said, okay, you can have Sunday. We, we don't really care. In fact, we'll even say, you know, that's fine. But we don't want you in our society really anymore. We don't want you in our, in our court systems, in our, in our you know, uh, we don't want you in our school systems. We don't want you in our day-to-day stuff. You're out there. And so we lost our voice. And that the only way we're going to get our voice back is by using it to do what we were supposed to do, which is telling people how much God loves them. And that there's a way for everyone to be in relationship with God. And, and so we've talked about those things over and over and over again. Well, a heart of compassion is a part of that. We'll never be naturally supernatural people unless we become a very compassionate people. And to do that, we've got to see like Jesus saw. We've talked about that. He always saw the beauty of potential. And he sees situations differently. And, and so we need to see them that way. And he sees this situation, the feeding of the 5,000, far differently than the guys that he's hanging out with. And so I sort of love that story. So um, right after the whole thing has happened at the healing of the pool we talked about last week, Jesus is he's going to move along. And, and this huge group of people is going to follow him because of what happens. And he's going to look at the crowd. Jesus is going to see that they're hungry both uh, spiritually and physically, and he's going to have compassion on them. Let's uh, dig into the verse together. John chapter 6, verse 3 to 5, this in the NIV. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, that's fascinating huge group of people coming, thousands, 5,000 men, not, not counting the women and the children, huge group of people. Jesus sees them, sees they're hungry. It's, what he wants to do is feed them, both physically and spiritually. So he says to his disciples, hey, where are we going to get bread to feed these folks? Now, he already knows what's going on, 
but he's, he's interacting with the disciples right now because ultimately while he's teaching big groups, he's really training the group around him because they're the ones that got to take over for him in a few years. And, and so there's a little backstory here of what's going on with the disciples it's, that I think is fascinating that we don't necessarily get in John, but in Matthew we do. Matthew 14, 15 through 15, uh, 17. Uh, let me read this to you. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said, Well, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. That's the answer. So here's the story, the backstory. Big crowd of people. The disciples are hungry. And they have figured out how to feed themselves. They've, they've tapped into a kid that's got enough bread and fish for them all to, for the 12 of them and the kid probably, maybe Jesus, I don't know, to have a fish sandwich. And they're hungry and they want to eat. So they go to Jesus and basically what they say to Jesus is, listen, tell these people to go away, man. We're hungry. We want to eat. And Jesus flips it right around and says, no, you give them something to eat. And I, I love that story. And... Uh, See, what he's telling them is, I want you to start seeing these people the way that I do. It's not all about you. You need to have compassion. They're hungry spiritually and they're hungry physically. See, but seeing this way brings up a pretty big question in all of us that we have to deal with. And that's the second point. The question is, what about me? What about me? Um, and we have to learn to begin to think like Jesus uh, at, at some levels, in order to deal with this problem. Because he can do things we can't even imagine with the stuff that we have, but we get very sort of focused and trapped in, how does this impact me? And we look at almost every situation with that filter. That's just very normal. Our first thought is, well, what about, how does this impact me? What about me? The disciples were being very normal in what they did. Um, they were hungry. They wanted to eat. They managed to get themselves some food. They probably justified it. They've been working hard. They're busy. These people are just hanging out. Get them away. We want to eat. But, but see, Jesus wants us to think differently. John 6, 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? See, now... The disciples knew they had this, and I, I'm thinking it was enough to feed them. But Andrew, he's, he's got a little tiny bit of faith, maybe, and he says, well, we got this food, but come on, what are we going to do with this? We got, you know, these five loaves and two fish. See, but, but we got to start thinking more like Jesus did so we can get outside the narrow perspective of our lives. And when we learn to trust him, we can break out of that trap, what about me? And see, Andrew is showing a little bit of that faith and trust by saying, well, here's what we've got. If you can use this, go ahead. See, that's, that's a pretty big deal. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but it's what I got, and I'm willing to share. So, so here you go. See, that's thinking the way that he thinks. So then what happens is, um, that's the third point. The third point is this, that you've got to use what you have. See, a lot of times when we're talking about ministry of encouragement and radical generosity and radical hospitality and how are we going to do those things, um, most of the time you just got to use what you got, even if it doesn't seem like it's enough. If, if you've, what you got is what you got. God knows what you got, and he says use that. And if you have just a little bit of faith and you offer that to God, he can do amazing things with what you got, as long as you're willing. 
See, that's a lot of times when we're not, we hang on too tightly. So, so use what you have. John 6, 12 through 13. Um, I, I skipped a little. Everybody in this crowd gets fed. Verse, 13, uh, verse 12. When they had all, when they all, when they had all, okay. When they had all had enough to eat. Sorry about that. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. See, now, we've talked in the past about the connection between those concepts I just mentioned, radical generosity, radical hospitality, and mercy. Um, If you were here, we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan and how it was the Good Samaritan who stopped and, and used what he had to minister to the, the guy who had been beaten up. And, and when Jesus gets to the end of the parable, he said that this guy showed mercy on him by doing that. And so um, this, this whole concept, it's, it's, this, this caring about others, is uh, demonstrating the compassion of God and the mercy of God for others. And, and see, the cool thing is, when you extend mercy to others, you get mercy back. If you remember our study in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. See, here's what I love. The disciples who, who had sort of had this little meal in mind for themselves, fish sandwiches, ultimately share it. And at the end of it all, they pick up 12 baskets full of food. And there's 12 disciples. So each disciple gets a basket and you have a full disciple. But isn't that cool? Do you see how God works in that? See, see, God, it's a willingness to, to share and to do and to serve. See, so the question comes down to this, and then the fourth one ultimately is who is the king? Who's the king in your life? John six fourteen and 15. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. See, this is pretty interesting. Um, And really, Jesus is loving these people very well at this moment. Um, Because what happens is now they they either saw or heard about the miracle of the pool, maybe one of the other ones. Now they've seen this feeding. And they know that something is going on. But, But their desire is to take Jesus and force him... To be king. See, um, that phrase is what makes you, make you want to think. See, they, the reason they want him to be king is they want him to come. They're waiting to be delivered from the Romans. And so they want to, they want to get him and, and have him do that for them. But see, a king is one who rules, not who is ruled by others. And, and they're, they're trying to get Jesus to do what they want. They're, trying to, they're going to take him by force and command him to do what they want. And see, when Jesus withdraws, he's loving them well because we don't command Jesus to do what we want. He is the king. We're to be asking what he wants from us. And this is very similar. Like um, the disciples were kind of trying to tell Jesus what to do about dinner and he wouldn't let them. No, you do something about it. See, rather than, than, than trying to sort of use Jesus to get our way, um, we need to ask, God, what is your way for me? What's your way for us? How can I serve you? 
This is about you, not about me. Who's the king of your own life? You know, when, when he taught his disciples to pray, Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're supposed to have that attitude with God. And yet, oftentimes, we get this other thing on us where, where we start thinking we can boss God around. And, and then when he doesn't do what we tell him to do, we get upset, like he's mean or bad. And, and the whole process is upside down. He's the king. We're, we're supposed to go and report for duty, basically. God, what do, you, what do you have for me today? How can I serve you today? What, what is it that you need me to do for you today? And it's in that attitude that, that he takes care of everything else. See, it's this, this concept, and, and it has to be changing us to be really naturally supernatural, because that's what it looks like. It's a, it's a realization that he's the king, and that, that we just need to be willing to do what he asks. And when we are, we get to be part of the story. How cool is that, that he includes us in the story? And these things are happening. These naturally supernatural things happen, you know, all the time, if we check in and, and, and understand what's going on. One last point I want to make. Fifth point, a little faith goes a long, long way. See, isn't it amazing that five loaves and two fish offered to God with a little bit of faith impacted the world? It had a huge impact right then and there on all those people's lives. And later on, you need to know those people sit down and listen again. Jesus is able to talk to him when he comes back. And, and see, this concept is, is one of the ideas be- behind our ministry of encouragement. You know, in our, in our ministry of encouragement, those of you that have been here, you know that, that we sort of reduce that down to doing two things every day. Being thankful for five things and encouraging two people so we can get one more lost child back to God. If you've been coming here, you know what that's all about. But see, here's, here's the, my firm belief. That those simple things, because it seems very simple, of being thankful every day for five things, and then actively trying to encourage two people, and, and just those simple things, just in a, in a little act of faith to God every day, can absolutely impact the world, one person at a time. Absolutely. And see, it's, it's, it's that sort of understanding that helps us to get outside of ourselves. See, you know, when you're, when you're thankful for what you have, it means you're not spending all your time thinking about what you don't have. It's that change. See, there's a change in that. When you're out actively trying to encourage people, it gets you out of that mode that it's all about you. And the, the result is that we often get to share Jesus, the one that we love, with people over time. So one more lost child comes back to dad. And that's what it's all about. That's, that's what we're here doing. And it's the, it's the product of a, of a naturally supernatural life. And so, in this encounter, I think, you know, he showed us some really neat stuff. And, and, and you know, try every day. People go, oh, it's, start with that. Just be thankful for five things. And then try and encourage two people. Make it a daily habit. You know, I, I ask you to do other daily things. Read the Word and pray. And I still mean that. But try these two. Very helpful if you get into the habit. We have a whole website for it, encourage2.com. Every day, people go there and say what they're thankful about. There are five things, and then we add to it as we go. I start it early every day. Just to get the habit. 
And it's, it's life-changing. Just like the fishes and the loaves were life-changing. Just like the way Jesus approached it with his guys was life-changing. See, they could have stopped and got a meal. But they got way more. They learned, a, they learned a lot about the heart of God for people and about how to trust him with what they have and watch him do all sorts of amazing things with it. So that is part of a naturally supernatural life. And we'll go on from there when we get back together next week. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video or TV, thank you for watching. If we can do anything, call us, write us, let us know. We'll do whatever we can for you. We're going to close here with prayer tonight. And then we'll call it an evening.